It's just a neighborhood near a public park. The great thing is there's a quite a mix demographically. So there are there are young families, there are isolated singles, there are um, some homeless, but we have a lot of just mix of society around us. And so the opportunity is there for people from all different walks of life to come. The community is very supportive of what we're doing. Dinner churches are starting all over North America. The Dinner Church podcast is creating a space for conversation with Dinner Church pastors and leaders who are a part of what God is doing through Dinner Church today. I'm JD. I became a Dinner Church pastor two years ago, and I'm retracing my steps and having conversations I wish I could have had when I was starting out. Join us, lean in, learn more about what it means to launch and lead Dinner Church. When I was starting out as a dinner church pastor, I was desperate to find stories of how dinner churches were actually happening and in as many different contexts as I could find. That's a little bit of just how my brain works, but I was anxious to hear how people in real spaces, in real contexts were doing dinner church. And I absolutely love the conversation that you're about to hear with myself and Megan Monterosa from the Grove Church. And she has launched two dinner churches now out of a large church out on the West Coast. And she has so much rich things to share with us about what it's actually like to launch a dinner church, how she has uniquely brought in their vision and approach, and what dinner church is like in a suburban context. So this conversation is rich, a lot of great tidbits, uh, practical things, as well as some very meaningful, rich theology behind why we do what we do. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Megan. All right, Megan, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, JD. I'm happy to be here. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Why don't you start by just telling us where you're at, where are we having this conversation from? Um, tell us a little bit about your context uh, ge- geographically, but then uh, your role in church life. Give us, give us the synopsis of Megan Monterosa. All right. All right. So I work on staff at the Grove Church, which is in Marysville, Washington. It's kind of yeah. a large church. We have a lot of cool stuff going on. And so we're about an hour north of Seattle. Um, and on staff there, I have a couple of roles. So I'm our lead pastor's executive assistant. And then I also, of course, lead our dinner church, which we call The Neighborhood. And we mm-hmm. meet in a public space about a half mile from this building. So we we really love what God is doing in both contexts. So I'm excited to share about that. Well, we're excited to hear more <laughs> about not only your journey towards dinner church, but what you got going yeah. on right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about that. Let's get into it. Where did yeah. you first hear about dinner church? How did that come into your imagination? And yeah. walk us through yeah. that a little bit, how you responded to that. Yeah. So, it, okay. So in May of 2021, we had like an all staff vision planning meeting and they had asked us to bring ideas to the table, things that we think we might want to do for future ministry endeavors. And so I had said, Hey, you know, could we do community dinners? You know, I'm a huge foodie. And so I wanted to do something with food. I just didn't even know what, but another pastor on staff actually in that same meeting, he said, what if we do dinner church? And that was the first time I ever heard. And it stopped me in my tracks. And I said, what is that? What is that? Hmm. And so what did, that you was, think, what did you think it was when you heard it first? Okay, I'm curious. When, I, when I first heard it, um, before I saw anything, 
when I first heard it, I just, I just imagined, I imagined the community dinner setting, which is very much what it is. Um, yeah. But I had no idea how din- how church would work in that setting. I just thought, yeah. okay, well, what 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 is dinner? What is dinner church? What is even the the term? At first, you're like, I don't know what you know. <laughs> is it church? Is it dinner? Yes. And so I was like, gosh, what is that? So yeah. yeah. Good. So that sparked your curiosity. And then you, you, I've learned enough from the little interactions I've had with you that you go (laughs) all in with stuff and I'm sure you learned a ton. So tell us a little bit about that journey of what happened next. Completely true. So yeah. So what happened was, okay, excitingly, we contacted Verlin, right? Verlin Fosner. Yeah. um, Because my lead pastor knows him and he said, you go right to Verlin and find out about this. So that's what we (laughs) did. So we, we attended one of his day long encounter seminars, um, which is like mm-hmm. a, it's, it's called an encounter. It's a day, it's a virtual thing. Really great though. It's full of really rich teaching. So that's a good place to start if you want to learn more. Um, and we did that and that was exciting because we started to really imagine what God might be able to do through this. And that's how we got started. So I'll tell you though, when, when I first learned all of that, it was a lot to take in. And I thought, okay, what is this? Is this just a dinner? Is this a feed, right? It is not mm. a feed and it not at all. But I didn't know like, okay, well, I, I love food, but what does that have to do with really the gospel? Right. And the thing is that thinking, I think our preconceived notions about meals and feeding the community can, can come into play. We don't even know they're there, but the things mm. that we assume that we think we know is going to happen. But the, the point is that when I entered into this journey, I had the privilege of also doing the Dinner Church School of Leadership at the same time we were launching. And so yeah. I did that, which is a nine-month program. It is fantastic. And it started, the whole thing started to change me from what I was doing with the launching, because we launched in October of 2021. So we launched while I was doing this school. But but God started to change me. He started to transform mm. me into, I mean, my heart just started to break for the lost in ways it never had before that, you know, I got out of this building and walked down the street to where people live a completely different life that I had mm. no idea that they were even there. Like I had never taken the time to do that. I started to think about incarnational living. You know, I started to think about the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I mean, he, yeah. that's what he would do. He would move into that apartment complex. He would be there, you know, that type of thing. And it just, yeah. it started to permeate, you know, all of my thinking about church and being missional and, um, while still working on staff here. And so that's mm. crazy because then you're starting to live in two worlds in a sense, because your thinking is really changing and the format is so different and the ecclesiology is so different, but what God is doing is he's transforming you, you know, as the leader. Mm. And then you start to lead people into it and then they start to catch that and you start to learn how to teach them that. And that the whole thing is really incredible. So it has been a very personally transforming journey. It still is. Um, in, in addition to the amazing yeah. things that God is doing in the, in the, at the neighborhood. So. Well, that, uh, you're highlighting one of the things that is coming out in these conversations I'm having with thought leaders and dinner church pastors mm-hmm. is there is a, a dual track. There is yeah. a transformational track <laughs> of the leaders of dinner church to change yeah. their own hearts, habits, and postures towards the yeah. world around them and yeah. towards Jesus in some sense. And uh, just a different way of viewing leadership in this different sort of space. So mm-hmm. I, if we were to double click on that a little bit, what do you think were the uh, challenges that uh, Jesus brought to you personally in that? Or mm-hmm. what were the things that were the invitations that Jesus brought to you in that yeah. kind of 
change season that you're talking about? That's a really beautiful question because it's so yeah. important and what God's doing in our hearts and transforming us first, right? As we go out. Yeah. And so for me, I think I think the invitation is to be to be in in the in the city and in the community in the context that we serve outside of these walls as wonderful as these walls are. Mm-hmm. But getting getting into people's lives, right? And their stories as much as we possibly can is a big change and it's, it's a big shift, uh, yeah. in the way that we approach everything we do from planning and resources to our focus, the way we train our volunteers, the things we talk about, what, what qualifies as a win, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but seriously, the, the posture does change because we are thinking deeply about what it means to be, be a, a Christ follower in every sense of the word, the way he would spend his time, the way he would choose to do things, the, the things he would say, the places he would go, you know, during the day yeah. where I can't sit in my office, my cozy office all day. I'm happy here in church land, you know, but guess what? <laughs> Yeah. The gospel and Jesus and me is not content at all to sit in here and, and I need to get out there. You know, I need yes. to get, I need to get out there and be amongst the people that, that need Jesus. So, yeah, I remember this moment, I, part of our story, uh, Christian and my wife and I, who co-launched North city together, uh, we started off in kind of traditional church sermons, worship, in a mm-hmm. community space. And our mission was to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus. And, uh, it still is, but there was a slow developing cognitive <laughs> dissonance. The more that we kind of had what I would call like a stage centric expression of that, where yeah. we're like, Jesus is like, proclaimed a little bit from stages, but he did a whole lot of eating with people, a lot of healing, a lot of spending time with people. And I realize now at the early stages of my journey, that cognitive dissonance or that holy discontent that kind of like saw a difference between our mission statement and how we were actually acting that out is kind of the fuel, the, the, the healthy conflict that can birth a vision and direction towards dinner church. And it sounds like that's similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love what you're saying because it's not that our traditional church models aren't good. Like I still love them, but for yeah. the but for in our communities and the demographics and the people that we're trying to reach, you know, it's a it's a it can be a completely different conversation, right? When you really get yeah. in there, like you're saying. And the dinner table, I really see it as something designed by God, you know, in the sense of like we're not just eating. There's a lot of spiritual things happening there that God is doing as as we're around the table with people that is so special and intentional. You know, God Himself met with people all through scripture. Jesus yeah. did it all the time, like you said. And I can imagine him eating and conversing with people a lot more often than well, I mean, and he taught too, but you know, a lot more than we even can than we remember sometimes, you know. Yeah. So what did this actually look like when you started to try it? When you're like, all right, here we go. We're doing this. <laughs> Describe to us what community you're kind of using community dinner and dinner church synonymously. I've heard that a lot of people, and this is sort of uh, from the work of Berlin, like suggesting using community dinner for external communication with the neighborhood and talking about dinner church for internal communication with your people. So they understand the spiritually rich elements of dinner church. So once you launched community dinner, what did that look like? How did you, did you do it the same as what you had read in some of the resources or did you tweak it a little bit and how have you tweaked it along the way? 
Yeah. So we did, we did tweak it because just out of necessity. So when we started, we, we got our good community space, which we love that space. But for us, we didn't have the worship leaders, you know, to do it right away. And so right now we sometimes have live worship and sometimes we just use a playlist and that's yeah. okay. You know, simple is okay. Um, so that's one thing we also, we don't have, um, the live artists simply because we just don't know of anyone who can do that for us, but I, I would love to have that in the future. Um, yeah. so we don't have them, but otherwise we did stick to kind of what we were taught, like the format of coming in and we eat dinner for about 20 minutes, you know, and then we share the Christ story for seven to 10 minutes. And then, um, and then, you know, we keep eating at tables. We're discussing, it's very relational, um, and we're building those relationships over time. And that's, that's what we do. So, yeah. When you, uh, share the Christ story or it's been referred to as the Jesus story in other people's yeah. contexts as yeah. well, yeah. are you simply just sharing the story at, or are you, what does that, what does that sound like or feel like in the space? Are you adding a little bit of your own story in it or you're yeah. like, Hey, Jesus did this thing once. And then you'll leave no. it at that. What What is that like for you guys? No, yeah. we for sure, we for sure intentionally use our own stories every time. So mm. the way that we do it is we're sharing about, you know, a story that either Jesus told or the early, the early church or, or a, it's a story about him from scripture. So it's always yeah. about Jesus himself, because that is how people are going to encounter him is it yeah. by hearing about him and he's made so accessible with something that's really simple, but we always incorporate a story from our own lives in that because yeah. part of that, part of the power of that is people are able to resonate. They're able to identify with what you're saying, you know, and that you're not up there talking at them. It's like, this is a conversation about Jesus that we're having. And you know what, this is, this is what I've learned here. Or, or I also love to ask questions. Um, sometimes I will ask thought provoking questions um, I've learned that a lot from J.R. Briggs uh, in a, in a master class <laughs> yep. with fresh expressions. It was awesome about questions, but that can be really great in that space and let, even let people respond if you so dare. But, um, I do that sometimes, or we share, we are just sharing. We always pray a prayer of healing over the group when we are done. And that mm. is always really powerful. That's something we've learned from Berlin, but it's really, really special when that happens. Sometimes that's the most powerful moment of the evening and where we wow. feel the Holy Spirit moving is when we're praying that prayer of healing over the group um, at the end of the, the talk. So. Wow. That's awesome. And something you've noted already that's unique about your situation is you uh, you do these community dinners in a suburban context yes. and, um, people come to the idea of dinner church, um, from a lot of different contexts from rural, urban and suburban, but that's something that's unique to you guys. So mm -hmm. what is it about what's unique about dinner church in the, the suburban context? What are some of the opportunities and what are some of the challenges yeah. that you've noticed starting yeah. dinner churches mm -hmm. in the suburban mm -hmm. context? Yeah. And that's a great question. Cause we wonder, you know, how is it going to work? Cause I knew that Berlin's was really urban. Right. And I, mm -hmm. I didn't know like, how is that going to work? Because, um, what you have in the suburban context, like our dinner church space is right in the middle of, you know, a neighborhood there's homes around, there are some apartments. Um, it's just, it's just a neighborhood near a public park. And so mm -hmm. what you have though, is there are, um, the great thing is there's a quite a mix demographically. So there are, there are young families, there are isolated singles, there are, um, some homeless, but we have a lot of just mix of society around us. And so yeah. the opportunity is there for people from all different walks of life to come. But the challenge is, of course, it's not just a walking village. So you do have to drive. Most people have to drive to get there. 
And so, mm-hmm. you know, some people, if they could walk, they could probably come, but some, some people can't walk to it because, you know, it's in a space around homes and stuff. Um, but the other great thing is that, you know, families do come. We have family, we have people from all ages and different um, stages of life that come. And so we get a really good blend because of that. And we have found that when we let the community know, we're pretty good at our, like letting the community know on Facebook in different ways, getting the word out just so people know we're there. And then they, they really spread the word because it is in that community. Like people know each other. We have a big city, but there's a lot of those groups. And so, so people will tell each other. And now we have like this regular, we have a regular nucleus of people that's coming and considers us their church. And then we have a lot of new people. Um, But it does work really well because people, now that people know we're there, you know, it's not a problem and they come to it and it's really great. Plus when you have the park nearby, we can go invite people. I do it all the time. You know, just right from the park, like come in and have dinner with us. And and that's really great, too. So there's a lot of opportunity there, too. Like the community is very supportive of what we're doing. The Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective and historical approach to starting new churches. We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit, November 9th through the 11th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet colleagues who become friends, you will eat really well, you'll worship heartily, and you'll learn tangible practices for building a Dinner Church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com summit. Yeah, I, our church meets in a public park too. Um, uh, we're we've just moved outside here for the summer. Summer in Minnesota, you got to take advantage of it. Um, and so I, I think that people listening to this podcast, thinking through location, I hope that mm-hmm. you're hearing mm-hmm. Megan say like yes. location, location, location. That's yeah. a part of the discernment process and yes. proximity to and visibility to the isolated is important, which yeah. might be a little bit simpler in some sense uh-huh. in, in an urban mm-hmm. setting where those are more defined. What, what I hear you saying is that not only by choosing that community space, are you visible mm-hmm. from like walk by sort of mm-hmm. thing, but you guys have somehow, whether it's the direction of the Holy spirit or, <laughs> or your own just kind of natural word of mouth, people have learned about you and your community yes. and told yes. others about it. Is there any, any intentionality that you guys have put in that sort of inviting or, or, um, so there's a walk, people walk by the sign and see it, but people have heard about it. You mentioned Facebook, yeah. um, a couple other things. What have you done to, yeah. to so, help people find you? Yeah. Which, you know what, this is a good point is that our venue is actually off the road a little bit. So we were concerned about that because we're like, okay, this is, it's not actually visible from the street, the actual building. You have yeah. to know that's there. Now we do have signs. Okay. So we have a frame signs. We have really cool graphics, um, that are sort of eye catching. So we have, we yeah. have those out, but yes, we're very intentional about getting the word out because we knew we had to right? for different people to be able to yeah. find us. And it's not, it's not like, Oh, what's that building? You know? So, yeah. but, but here's what works is that the Facebook community groups are okay. So we have our own Facebook page. You can find it at NH Dinners. If you look up NH Dinners at on Facebook, it's there. But mm-hmm. we post in seven different community groups every week. And I do it the morning of dinner church. And people know to look for it now. 
But now what's cool is it's people see it there. It gets a lot of traffic. They, the posts always do well. Sometimes I'll boost them if it's a really special event that we're doing and I, I just really want to boost it, then I will. And, and that is very effective. But also on Facebook, people share it with their groups. So like people will go share it in mom's groups because they know they love what we're doing and they'll, that even spreads farther. Yeah. Um, and once in a while I've done an Instagram post, but then also we are in public entities. So we're on like the library calendar of, you know, meal resources. We are, yeah. um, the public entities that know we're here are trying to help us get the word out. We have touch cards and sometimes I've gone, um, door to door. And so I don't knock on doors or anything like that, but I will put little invitations. I've actually made invitations before, just designed them in Canva. Um, and gone through all the, you know, on prayer walks and just put these on doors and people have come because of that because they felt yeah. invited. So I've d- we've done that as well. You know, prayer walking is by the way, very important. So yeah, yeah all those things. Just want to back up and offer a, a few vocabulary pieces for those who are tracking with <laughs> Megan there. She said, um, boost one of her posts, which is something you can, is like a, a paid boost that you can do to mm-hmm. an event that you have on Facebook. And we've done that in our church before, and it's been pretty effective. Yeah. The other thing you mentioned is Canva. And if you don't know about Canva yet and you're a nonprofit, this is a free commercial that maybe they'll edit out later. But uh, uh, Canva yes. is one of the most powerful, simple to ease, simple to use design tools that I think has yes. been very effective for us as a church yes. to communicate our story yep. through. So yeah. um, that's fantastic. And can you can you <laughs> say a little bit more about what these groups are that you and your others are posting on in Facebook? If someone was sure. cu- curious about that. Yeah. So one, okay. So some of, a few of them are crime and community groups. So don't be put off if it says crime because it really, those are where people are looking for community news. And so there's a number of those and there's like probably three or four that are those. And then there's also, um, one that it's called like angel gifting or something, but this is about like people giving stuff away in the community. We post yeah. in the everything free pages. So mm-hmm. everything free in Marysville, you know, just so people, people know that it's because it, it is free. Um, yeah. So we're there, but it's also just a community space. Then I am not a mom, but my mom friends will go and post in the moms groups. And that's really great because moms with their families who are busy, they're like, oh my goodness, this is available. Um, yeah. So those are the types of groups that we post in. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so many good practical nuggets in there, y'all. So I hope you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you get this off the ground. The word gets out. Um, you're running this community dinner and I want to go back to something you said earlier that you're a foodie and I know that you've written some stuff for fresh expressions about that. (laughs) Tell us how one of the primary questions people come to dinner church with is like, how do we do the food? And everybody has a different answer to that. But what was your answer? Okay. Giving your, given your story as someone who's a foodie, what is, yes. what does this look like for you? So, okay. Yes. I love food. I love cooking. Okay. So we, we cook the food ourselves. Um, but also that we do it that way because it's also more affordable for us. So it would, mm-hmm. it would cost us a lot more if we got food from restaurants, uh, with the number that we have to make food for. And so, mm-hmm. so what we do is we, we buy all the food, uh, and cook most of it from scratch here at the church. We have a really good kitchen that works for that. And so that's a blessing. And so we have just an army of volunteers who comes and cooks. Um, And then we have a lady who bakes for us and she bakes it all from scratch. It's 
pretty incredible. Our volunteers are outstanding people. And they, and actually we have one kid who is actually on the food network. He will be this summer. And he's one of our chefs now. He's 17 years old. This kid is incredible. And he loves sharing the gospel through food. He does it all the time on his own. And now he's doing it with the neighborhood. So God is just doing a lot of cool stuff. So we cook the food ourselves and we hot box it over to the venue. And so you just get like the catering, you know, the catering supplies and we just take it over when it's ready or we use things that we plug in to keep it warm. That's what we do. Are the people who are helping you at the community (laughs) dinner, like your team, some of the same Mm -hmm. people who who cook or do you have different teams cook and are are like a host Mm -hmm. team? How does that look? Yeah. So we actually, we have always given people um, the opportunity to serve where they're comfortable at first, but we also say, Hey, everyone's an evangelist, right. With what we're doing. Um, but people have the choice. So some people, they do want to cook and then they want to come over and be with us for dinner. Some people really want to help, you know, in this endeavor, but they only have time during the day. Um, or maybe they're retired or maybe, you know, that's, that's their thing. So some people just cook and then some people come after work and come help out with dinner church in the evenings. And as far as the roles, we have a number of different things that people do. So some people, they, they host all the time. They, you know, they greet at the door and they're amazing at that. And that's what they love to do. Um, some people are table friends. So, um, hmm. you know, sitting, sitting at tables, we always have somebody from our team at every table building friendships and that relational evangelism, very important. Um, and then we have people who serve food. So we do not do buffet style. We take you a plate. We bring that over to you because we, yeah, our volunteers insist on that. We've never changed it because they insist on that personal, the personal wow. touch. And so um, it's kind of like a restaurant where everybody, the whole room is seated at one time and everybody needs food, uh, but we make it work. And this, wow. what this does though, is there, there is now a position for food servers, right? And food platers because um, we serve quite a few. So we've got a back room, like a catering kitchen at the venue where we've got like a seven people like dishing up the plates and making sure everything is how we want, you know, and then we have the team that actually brings the food out. And then we have people who are kind of floating and making sure everything is refilled. And we have because we have two dinners every Tuesday night, we have to clean in between the dinners and then do it again. But it's really a lot of fun and it works. It works great actually. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. I loved, I love hearing about this. There is like <laughs> such an array. If you're listening to this and this is the first dinner church story that you've heard, please note there is a, <laughs> so much diversity in how people yeah. do food yeah. and what you just described is, is so beautiful. And I, yeah. I, I love how, you know, there's dinner church stories of, of people throwing together a potluck every week. Yeah. And it's yep. just, it's yep. just a mystery box every week and it <laughs> works and it's great and it's yeah. affordable. Yeah. yeah. Folks like us who do like what I call like Costco catering, where you get kind That's of awesome. the main, the main <laughs> catering and you have yeah. a key person and a couple of volunteers yeah. that yep. assemble and serve there. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the food network <laughs> up and coming <laughs> geniuses. Uh, no, no. I it's know. A be- it's a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing. And I, yeah. I love how I hear you bringing, uh, this is true of all of the food expressions that I've heard of. People bring the concept of agape love yes. and feast Absolutely. through their contextualized way of doing food. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, I hear that in like, no, no, we don't want a buffet. We want to serve these people. Yep. We want to come yep. alongside them, yeah. um, and yep. help them. Yep. Feel the love yep. of Jesus that way. Exactly. Beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you have also mentioned that you 
are on staff with this larger, larger church in the area. You yeah. have a relationship. You do this in concert with or out of the, <laughs> um, I don't know how you guys define your mm-hmm. relationship, yeah. but I got to imagine there's some, uh, <laughs> healthy tension there or right. some like, uh, yeah. uh, learning from each other and some curiosity between each other. Definitely. And so talk a little bit about how that dynamic has been. And I, I'm sure it's a developing thing as you're, yeah. what were you like three, yeah. three years into this now? No, we're just a year and a half in. Just so. a year and a yeah. half in. So yeah. you're in the thick of this. Um, <laughs> we are. Can you, yes. if, as, as much as you're willing to share, what has that yeah. dynamic been like yeah. for someone maybe listening who's contemplating yeah. the same sort of relationship? Yes. And that is a great question. It's something I have learned so much about over the past <laughs> year and a half. Yeah. So I will say that our our church has done this from the get-go out of a, out of a desire to reach people because, because our church wants to be missional. And so, yeah. you know, it is, it is a beautiful thing because our leadership has always, our leadership at the Grove has always supported our endeavors. They're proud of us. They're like, go, go, go. You know, they even told us, Hey, if you fail at this, it's fine. You know, we got you. So that support is incredible. Um, they also have let us run with it as far as like, this is our vision. This is what we're doing. They put a lot of trust in us. Also, yeah. we're funded by the big church, right? So the funding is, we don't have to worry about that because it's covered. There's a budget, of course, that we follow. But we are yeah. grateful to our pastors and our board for believing in us with that. And we've got volunteers who are super healthy, you know, believers and that, that love Jesus that come out of our big church that come and help us, you know, because we have a great volunteer base. But the other side of that is that the ecclesiology of dinner church is so different. It just functions differently. It really is nothing like, you know, the, the inherited church model. And so at first, you know, your head's going to explode a little bit and you just have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with And this is the exciting thing though, because what's happening is you're stretching and I'm becoming super flexible, right? In the kingdom, Mm. because I have to, because I live in both worlds every day. So, and I see the wonderful, beautiful things that God is doing at the Grove. Our church is healthy and alive and strong, but so is the neighborhood. And so then I go and leave the neighborhood and we've got a whole different way of thinking about the way the church works and both are beautiful. And, and it's amazing though, because you're like, this is really weird because at first I'm going to learning all this stuff and I'm like, okay, but, but, but it doesn't that mean that what we're doing at the inherited church is wrong. That's not true at all. It's not true yeah. at all because God is working in all of these contexts where we are doing church. But what we're excited about is the differences because so in me has grown this dexterity, right? And this ability to do all of those things and, and see God working and be open to what God is doing in each space. So there is tension though. There is tension when, you know, questions are like, well, we don't, well, you know, Hey, what's the fruit of dinner church lately? Or, you know, you have to keep telling those stories and, and sometimes clearing up um, congregational misconceptions about what it is that you do because people, Mm. people may not understand and that's not their fault. um, But we bring them along and, and talk about the great things that God is doing and just patience with that. Oh, actually, we're not, you know, just just sometimes correcting mindsets. And that's okay. Yeah. That's going to happen over time. It just helps everyone think more missionally too. So, yeah. Mm. That's really good. And how have you... Um, so there's one level to help uh, your partner church understand what you're doing. Yes. But how have you helped... Because it's... I'm, I'm, in, I'm inferring that there's kind of an integrated relationship with 
the volunteers who help make dinner church happen yeah. have mm-hmm. a relationship or maybe participate regularly at the big church. Mm-hmm. So h- right. how have you seen them transform in the midst yes. of that tension that you're talking about? How, what, like you're saying, it's good. What, what, what's the good transformation that comes from them kind mm-hmm. of walking through the door of a community dinner and being like, Oh, this, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and sitting yeah. around tables and engaging yeah. in relationship. What have you seen yes. happen? It is absolutely beautiful to watch what happens with our volunteers. And I, and I love it. I love it every day because you know that God has placed incredible gifts in every person in your church. And at dinner church, I have seen people grow into the gifts of God in them that they, some that did not know they had gifts like that. I know we have one we have, well, we have a lot of stories like this, but we have a man who kind of was in, uh, intimidated about talking to people, but we asked him if he would be a table friend. And his wife was sharing with me how much this has transformed him because now he's more of a relational evangelist than he ever thought he could be. And so Pete, that happens all the time with our volunteers. They find so much purpose and they're full of joy when they come into dinner church because they know that what they're doing is tangibly reaching people, meeting needs. And mm. and as they're sharing their stories, you see their gifts come out in different ways. Um, and they have so much opportunity to do that in so many different ways. And so because we're in the community and we're reaching at different people who aren't really part of our other church. And so um, they feel really effective. They know they are. And we kind of function as a little family too, you know, and we have our own conversations and our own trainings um, talking about that missional mindset and, and all those different things that we uh, experience in dinner church. That's awesome. Oh. I debated whether or not I wanted to do this on the <laughs> podcast with you, but in a previous conversation this last year we were having about dinner church, I asked you, can you tell a funny moment from dinner church? And you told the story of this gal who came to dinner church, who had a different way of interacting with sermons, who found herself also coming to uh, Grove. And then assuming that they that you interact the same way with sermons yeah. as you do Jesus stories. Can you tell yeah. that story? I've, I had so yes. much joy hearing that. And I think it's a great example uh, that accentuates some of the tension yes. that maybe people feel, a good tension, yes about yes. how our neighbors experience dinner church and exactly. then how they experience uh, the inherited yeah. church and yeah. how the tension and the awkwardness that creates actually should <laughs> teach us something. So please yes. tell, please tell the story. Yes. This is a wonderful story. It's one of our favorite stories from dinner church that we've ever had. So this lady started coming to dinner church every week. And mm-hmm. she was always really engaged. Um, but we learned she is not a believer, right? She was not a believer at all and no context for church, like didn't grow up in church. I think she had never heard the gospel before she came to dinner church. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, but she was really interested in having discussions, right? Which you can. Dinner church is like this big family gathering, you know, it's yeah. like a big family gathering. It's not really a con- as much of a controlled environment. I mean, we're super organized, but it's like, hey, let's talk and everything. And so she, and so eventually though, she did want to come to the Grove, you know, on a Sunday morning. And so she came and, um, (laughs) and what she does is during, during the sermon, which everyone's pretty quiet during the sermon, right? Right, well, she, right. starts, she starts interrupting our pastor, just interrupting, <laughs> just interrupting with a question and raising her hand like, oh, but, oh, but what about this? And, 
And it was so, it's the funniest thing because she yes. doesn't know. She just doesn't know better. And it was, it's a beautiful moment though. It actually happened several times to the point where yeah. I had to sit with her because like, you know, and, and she didn't understand why we had yeah. this conversation. I had coffee with her and I said, you know, it's really all I can think. I thought, you know, well, it's really, it's really just that we're just letting everyone hear everything that, you know, so that everybody can hear the points of what's being said. But honestly, she had, she was so raw and so like just innocent, like had no idea that that, that that's, yeah. and it wasn't, it is a good lesson because it's like, wow, she's so out of place, but she is where she needs to be. Right. And it was yes. amazing because she kept trying to interrupt and she did it like a few times. So <laughs> we love that though, because it, yeah, that's it was so great. good. Yeah. So. I, lo- I love that. And stories <laughs> that I've heard similar to that from different dinner churches, because it's yeah. like this. Prophetic humor, like this prophetic reality that kind of accentuates a blind spot we may have having listened to many, many sermons Mm -hmm. in our lives that maybe our neighbors aren't going to interact with Jesus stories in the same way. And maybe they're going to want to ask questions and maybe they're going to want to talk about it and maybe they're going to want to share their opinion about it. And I think it's, it's, I've noticed that in our journey too. It's a beautiful sort of Mm -hmm. nudge from the Holy Spirit to say, see, this this is where I want to be. This is right. and as you so said great. earlier, sermons still have the power of God working through them. But yeah. there's also ways that we need to have I loved your your idea of dexterity and mm-hmm. flexibility yep. yeah. uh, to engage in both ways. Yeah. Well, Megan, thank you for this. Let's conclude with our rapid fire round. So I love to do this. I'm going to ask you uh, some questions and just give me one second or one second, one sentence responses, uh, because we'd love to hear this from all of our guests. So what's the best part of dinner church for you lately? Definitely the people. So this kaleidoscope Mm -hmm. of people that God brings in that is beautiful and colorful and alive with so much life and different parts of life that I just cannot get over how much I love all the different people. And that includes our volunteers as well, that God is putting together every week. All right. The next one is a high stakes question for a foodie. Are you ready? Yes. What's your favorite meal at dinner church? (laughs) Okay. Hands down Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Every year. Yep. Yep. So good. <laughs> if you could recommend one book, article, or resource to someone interested in dinner church, I'm going to put a caveat in. We've already okay. gotten the welcome to dinner church stuff. Uh, okay. You can say that too, but outside of that, what would it be? Book, article, or resource that you would recommend to someone interested in dinner church? So the Dinner Church Collective website is wonderful because it is comprehensive. It'll show you everything that you need. So dinnerchurch.com. But my favorite book on Dinner Church is Rowan Fosner's, uh, the one that is called Building Bridges by Breaking Bread, Mm. because that book is more detailed and it is really, really powerful and inspirational um, for a lot of different reasons. But I would recommend that book as my favorite one. So yeah. Wonderful. One sentence piece of advice you'd give to a dinner church leader or pastor starting out. Okay. So set the table, allow the love of Jesus to be evident in everything that you're doing and let the savior be good at his job. Mm. So good. Megan, (laughs) thank you so much for giving us a slice of your time and sharing your story. Uh, This whole podcast is about 
recording conversations I wish I could have had when I was getting started. And I hope that if you're listening to this, you found some value. If you're just getting started, or maybe you've been rocking it a lot longer than both Megan and I, and this is just (laughs) encouraging to you. So Megan, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, JD. This has been great. Thanks for listening today. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your dinner church story. You can connect with us over at dinnerchurch.com. It's also where you can find a lot of great resources about how to start or sustain your dinner church journey. Dinner Church Podcast is brought to you by the Dinner Church Collective and Fresh Expressions. The Dinner Church Collective is a nationwide community of everyday missionaries spreading the word about this simple, effective, and historical approach to starting new churches. We sure hope you'll join us for the Dinner Church Summit November 9th through the 11th, 2023 in Orlando, Florida. This will be the inaugural gathering of the Dinner Church Collective, and it's your opportunity to be a part of developing a family of pioneers who are passionate about recapturing this powerful expression of God's kingdom. You will meet new colleagues who become friends, all while eating well, worshiping heartily, and learning tangible practices for building a dinner church movement. Learn more at dinnerchurch.com summit. This season of the Dinner Church podcast is hosted by Heather Evans and J.D. Larson. It's edited by Joel Limbowen and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Dr. Verlin Fosner is the director of Dinner Church Collective, and Dr. Chris Backert is the North American director of Fresh Expressions. If you have learned something or been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and even share this episode on social media. May God bless you as you serve Jesus' kingdom.